Coming up, the top 10 things you need to know about buying a hybrid vehicle in 2022, in particular, a Toyota hybrid this time. But much of this report, the overwhelming majority, applies to hybrids generally. If you're in the market for any hybrid vehicle, this is gonna help you. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap <laughs> for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Oh, you can just click the card that's more or less out there now, dude. This report is inspired by an inquiry from you, in this case, from a professional torturer. Some people still call them physiotherapists, I think. In my experience, however, they really do enjoy their work just a little too much, most of them. My local Toyota dealer informs me there's a six to 10 month wait time on a RAV4 hybrid and sent me a document to sign for a $100 deposit to secure the car for about 49K, which may rise two grand due to being a 2022 model car. Reason I'm going for this option is because I drive a lot for work, mobile physio, and need space for my equipment, hence the SUV. And there does not seem to be affordable EVs that are big enough for my needs at the moment. Appreciate your thoughts. Well, thanks very much, Ryan. Last time I was at the physio, dude, I would have divulged Osama bin Laden's friggin' home address if he would just stop hurting me. Guantanamophysio.com. And then I paid him, which just felt wrong or inverted, right? My number one tip for anyone who's got a problem to solve, like that could be what new car to buy or should I modify this to do whatever, deciding whether to bite the bullet on wife number three, and hey, I am an expert on that. Einstein did say it's crazy to run the same experiment over and over and expect a different result, like it could be cheaper to rent, just saying. Anyway, more generally, on solving problems, the advice is define the problem. So define why you want this hybrid. This is like engineering 101. It doesn't get more basic than this because airy-fairy definitions of any problem lead to bad solutions. The solution to all problems gets better in proportion to how well you manage to define them. Like how tight is your definition? So if you've just got some vague suggestion that you want a hybrid for some allegedly non-specific virtuous reason, that's probably going to end in disaster on the balance of probability. It's better to say why, very, very specifically indeed. Like, I want to minimise the operating cost of my motoring or something, okay? And then you can investigate potential solutions. You might want to halve the CO2 emissions of your driving, or you might be concerned about national energy security and you want to minimise your dependency on liquid fuels, or you might want to do everything you can to improve air quality in your city. And they're all commendable objectives. Which one belongs to you? Why do you want this hybrid? Or do you just want to see gr seem green Sorry, to all of your friends? the solution to these goals might not be a hybrid ultimately. Like, it might be better to lobby for the abolition of wood fires in the home and prohibition of old trucks in built-up areas because if you really do want to improve air quality in your city, 
These things that I just mentioned are terrible polluters in the way that all new cars really are not. Or you might want to advocate to stop cruise ships from burning that disgusting heavy fuel oil while they are moored in your harbour, like whatever. There are other solutions to most specific problems. Specific goals lead to viable solutions and vague ideas, they just don't. So why do you want that hybrid? Think about this carefully and then write it down because if it's written down, it exists and you can look at it and go, yeah, that's why I want that. Number two, and this is really not negotiable. You have to understand exactly what a hybrid is. So if your understanding is hybrid, good, conventional cars, bad, then I'd suggest that you're playing this game of choice with half a deck at best. Hybridization is actually a way of capturing energy. So when you take your foot off the accelerator, the hybrid system captures kinetic energy and it stores it as electrical potential in a battery. And you can use that to help you to get going again when the light goes green. And hybrid, like the term hybrid, actually relates to joining an internal combustion engine, like a conventional engine, to a battery electric drivetrain. And it's virtually some kind of mad Frankensteinian vivisection and reassembly process, okay? In practice, only a small amount of energy gets captured, but it does make a significant difference to fuel consumption. In the case of the RAV4 Cruiser, which is the vehicle RiRi wants, according to the official laboratory standardised combined cycle fuel consumption test, the saving is going to be about 28%. And of course, your mileage may vary. Point number three, there are two flavours of hybrid and Toyota only offers the lightest low-fat version in Australia. They call it self-charging, but... That's really just marketing bullshit, okay? And it conjures up all kinds of images of thermodynamics violating magic, mainly for people who never paid attention at school, spent the whole time with their eyes mostly shut. Self-charging actually means the battery gets recharged by energy that you would otherwise waste via conventional brakes in a conventional vehicle. And the other flavour of hybrid, which Toyota has in its global inventory but declines to sell here in Schittsville, is the plug-in hybrid, or FEV. P-H-E-V, plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. Plug-ins have a much bigger battery, basically, and you can charge them overnight using the mains by plugging them in. So a bit of truth in advertising there, strangely, in the automotive sector. You don't have to plug in you can, it's optional. The battery in these FEVs is generally big enough and coupled to a big enough electric motor to provide standalone motive power, like gentle driving for a limited range without the internal combustion engine activating itself at all. Typically that's less than about 65 Ks on full electric and only if you drive gently. This allows you to operate for short distances under light loads, totally hydrocarbon free, kind of like a battery EV. And then on longer trips down the highway or something, you can just run on liquid fuels without doing all of the complex planning and time-consuming recharging demanded by full electric cars. So if you want to do that, you want to go emissions-free in the burbs mostly, 
and also have some hassle-free long-distance touring machine and you want it all wrapped up in the one car, Toyota is currently not the place to shop for a hybrid, at least not in Australia. The RAV4 Hybrid offers 1.6 kilowatt hours of energy storage in its battery. Like, kilowatt hours is this big scary concept to everyone who never studied applied physics, I suppose. But it's really just a number for an amount of energy. So it's the size of the number relative to other numbers of kilowatt hours that matters. And to put this in perspective, this baby here is a big fat 36 volt Ryobi yard tool battery. It offers five amp hours at 36 volts. And if you're wondering why they chose 36, I get that, but there's a reason. These things, 18 volts for power tools, 36 volts for mowers and brush cutters and things of that nature, hedge trimmers, they're always in multiples of 36 volts because that's the basic voltage of the most basic lithium ion cell. It's how they roll when you reduce them to their simplest element. So there's 10 of those at least inside here and they're probably 18650s, like 18650s. You can Google that, check out a picture of them. And you get 10 of them in a row, you get 36 volts in total, obviously, because 10 times 3.6 is 36. And maybe, I don't know, this might be built on multiple sub-assemblies of 10 cells all wired up in parallel for a bit more grunt, like whatever. Basic pro tip on this, do not pull one of these apart and check unless you know what you are doing. And if you know what you are doing, why are you listening to me? Okay, very dangerous for the backyarder to pull apart a battery such as this, okay? The physics of this is that volts times amps equals power multiplied by time equals energy. So this is 36 volts times five amp hours equals 180 watt hours of energy. If you followed that, great. If you didn't, Trust me. So a RAV4 hybrid has about nine of these babies on board, okay? Equivalent to nine of these. It doesn't have nine of these. It's quite a big battery when you think about it. Nine of these all in its own bespoke enclosure, but maybe not so big in the context of moving a machine down the road some substantial difference, weighing 1.6 tonnes. Like BMW offers a 330e hybrid, it's a plug-in hybrid, with 10.3 kilowatt hours, which is 57 of these Ryobi bricks, versus 9 in the RAV4 hybrid. Mitsubishi Outlander has a new plug-in hybrid variant with 13.8 kilowatt hours, which is 77 of these Ryobi bricks, equivalent. It's a direct RAV4 hybrid competitor, more or less, and it can operate in zero tailpipe emissions mode, like EV mode, which is something the RAV4 hybrid cannot do, which is why defining the problem is so important. And the Outlander plug-in hybrid is about 10 grand more than the RAV4 hybrid, and that's basically due to the cost of the bigger battery. All these cells, eight and a half times bigger than the RAV4. So you have to ask yourself what you really want out of your hybrid specifically. Which brings us to point number four. In 2018, Toyota whipped up all the media frenzy it possibly could, mainly as a spoiler to Hyundai's deployment of the Ionic plug-in hybrid, which is 
49 of these Ryobi bricks versus 9 for the RAV4 hybrid. And of course, the launch of the Kona Electric, which is 356 of these bricks, incidentally. Not that they're equivalent, because obviously the Kona Electric lacks internal combustion on the other side. So, the central overarching thesis of this quaint Toyota spoiler hypothesis was, and going to paraphrase, okay, Australians are clearly too stupid to plug in any vehicle, despite, you know, having mobile phones and laptops and tablets, all of which need plugging in daily. And therefore, being Toyota, we've decided to keep our vehicles dumb so that brain-dead Aussie bogans will feel right at home. Well, that's essentially what they said. They did sex it up quite a bit and it sounded plausible and the mainstream motoring press really just lapped it all up because they're too dumb to plug in also, incidentally. Anyway, fast forward to April this year and Toyota is on the record describing the transition to plug-in hybrid even in... <sighs> addicted to stupid Australia as inevitable. The transition to plug-in, inevitable. Quote-unquote, Toyota. They could do this tomorrow if they wanted. Like, Toyota already offers the RAV4 Prime plug-in hybrid in the EU. It's got up to 225 kilowatts and up to 75 kilometres worth of EV-only range. It's got an 18-kilowatt-hour battery, which is 100 of these Ryobi Brickaroonies equivalent, versus nine in the current one. And unfortunately, I mean this most sincerely, the Beetrooter is suddenly a national shot caller on climate inaction. And his Christmas vlog in 2019, back when our biggest problems were, quaintly enough, fires and drought, well, that vlog suggested that he believes that God is the solution to climate change, as opposed to human action orbiting a divorce from fossil fuels. And the only impediment there, as I see it, appears to be the ongoing non-existence of a supreme being. Look, I just don't want the government anymore in my life. I'm sick of the government being in my life. You know, and the other thing is I think we've got to acknowledge is you know, there's a higher authority that's beyond our comprehension and right up there in the sky. Unless we understand uh, that that's got to be respected, then we're just fools. Sometimes, dude, I despair. I really do. How can we possibly have a system in place that selects a guy such as... as Deputy Prime Minister? Twice honest opinion. And this is not like a private musing that was caught on hidden camera in some trashy tabloid gotcha or leaked to the press by the enemy. This is the Beetrooter's official Christmas message to the nation. I do wonder why we're a laughingstock. And of course, the donations from the coal, oil and gas industries, well, they continue to flood in, don't they? So Scotty from marketing, the quintessential coal-humping prime minister, he doesn't want to touch this. He is, of course, of like mind with the beetrooter vis-a-vis what I would generally regard as that depressing 12th century woo-woo. And look, 
if these were just privately held beliefs, I'm totally okay with that. What I'm not okay with is this kind of religious fundamentalism informing vital public policy in our secular democracy, and at the same time being completely at loggerheads with all of established science on this critical issue. So, why does this matter to you? Well, the beetrooter is steering the HMAS climate policy. And there is thus no regulatory framework compelling car makers to supply their most environmentally friendly vehicles to Australia. And that is a flat out disgrace, like add it to the list, another disgrace. But one thing is certain, okay, Toyota will implement plug-in at some point in the future, foreseeably. And when it does, they will wipe their 2018 comments from the annals of history. Plugging in will miraculously be something that Bogans have always gagged to do. And the value of your previously elite RAV4 hybrid cruiser at the top of the range is going to plummet owing to the sudden existence of a new green superstar champion. Number five, I think we're up to. If you're buying a hybrid to save money on fuel, brace for impact, dude, because that's not gonna work. It's a fantasy, mainly because fuel is cheap in Australia, however much you might resent buying it, and most people don't drive far enough every year. If you want to save money on fuel, then buy a small car, the smallest one you can get away with owning. You'll save something like 20 grand up front, and hey, you're welcome. You'll never save 20 grand on fuel in a RAV4 hybrid, like never. But maybe you need a RAV4 size vehicle, and if so, okay. There's an intrinsic physics type penalty for moving all of that additional mass. And the penalty is, ultimately, that it just costs more for the fuel to do that. So how does RAV4 conventional versus RAV4 hybrid stack up economically? Well, Toyota charges two and a half grand more for the hybrid versus the internal combustion only equivalent RAV. The difference in fuel consumption based upon the standardised combined cycle tests is 1.8 litres per 100 kilometres. Like, it's 4.7 versus 6.5. 4.7 for the hybrid, 6.5 for conventional. And if fuel is buck seventy a litre, you have to save about 1,500 litres of fuel in the hybrid just to break even. Like, that's the amount you have to save, not the amount you've got to buy, Okay. It's roughly 82,000 kilometres of driving. Many business vehicle owners would, in fact, turn the vehicle over before they break even. And even if you drive 20,000 k's a year, which is about 33% more than average pre-COVID, then in four years' time, that's when you're going to break even. Afterwards, you're going to start saving. Yes, saving roughly a buck seventy per day. If you can afford a $50,000 car, you don't care about $1.70 a day. You probably spend six times as much on friggin' coffee. And you don't think about that at all. We just want to save money. Stop buying friggin' coffee. If you buy bottled water, the notion of saving money or the planet with a hybrid is a cognitively dissonant joke. That should be good for some hate mail or maybe even a death threat. 
One lives in eternal hope on this. Number six now, CO2, okay? Saving 1.8 litres of fuel every 100 kilometres, that's about two kilos of CO2 for every 100 k's you drive, 400 kilos of CO2 per year if you manage to drive 20,000 kilometres a year. Combustion of fuel exists in this universe where there's strict mathematical proportionality. This many kilos of fuel equals that many kilos of CO2 every tonne. Australia's emissions are roughly about 600 million tonnes of CO2 annually. That's inside the borders, okay? Plus another 600 million roughly in exported coal for industry internationally. 1.2 billion tonnes in total, ballpark, CO2 equivalent. So if the 12 million cars on Australian roads all cut their CO2 by 400 kilos, that would be... 0.4 tonnes times 12 million cars equals 5 million tonnes of CO2-ish out of 1.2 billion. That's four-tenths of 1%. Australia. Bottom line, it's nothing. Number seven, and this is inconvenient too, as virtuous as it sounds, buying a hybrid does just roll off the tongue, doesn't it? Consumers are given no information as to the amount of energy that's wrapped up in the construction of the battery and other high-tolerance hybrid-specific parts, electric motors, things of this nature. This is not even tracked. There's no reporting structure whatsoever. It's certainly not easy to find this stuff. It's really difficult for me to digest the extremely technical studies that have been done into the upstream energy to create these parts. And I have a degree in mechanical engineering, okay? An average consumer has absolutely no hope of getting to the bottom of this. And so much of it depends on where these things are made. And they're often made in places where energy is cheap because it's filthy. That's just how industry rolls. And then at the other end of the part's life, in 10 years' time or something, there's really no regulatory apparatus surrounding the recycling of the batteries and components of that nature at the end of their life. The only incentive here is the economic one, right? So if you can make money pulling dead batteries apart for their heavy aluminium casings, their cobalt, their nickel, their lithium hexafluorophosphate, then happy days, dude. There's an industry, but in the absence of robust regulation, if it's just cheaper to rip new materials out of the ground like virgin raw materials, then what I'm seeing is endless landfill. And given the nature of these very toxic materials, this is a very Aaron Friggin Brockovich proposition indeed, long term. These issues orbiting the gestation and the death of these parts obviously do not resolve at all when you view them through the bullshit lens of hybrid vehicle marketing. Through that prism, they just want you to think, hey, it's all good. Number eight, and yes, we are nearly there. Yes. On a happy note, performance. You get about 10% of additional performance potentially from the RAV4 hybrid versus the conventional RAV4. And that's not a bad deal at all for just two and a half grand extra. Of course, if you drive all the time like you stole it, it's completely disingenuous to cloak your motoring in green virtue because 
It's just filthy motoring in a hybrid, right? There are heaps better performance cars you can buy for 50 grand. So why not just be honest with yourself about what's most important for you and just go for that? Because you cannot have it both ways. And you only get this additional performance if the battery is in a suitably high state of charge, obviously. If it's a bit depleted because of how you've been driving it, you are looking at, frankly, below average performance. So there's that. Number nine, perhaps you're looking at owning this vehicle for the long haul. You can reap the benefit of saving a buck seventy every day after the first 80,000 Ks or something. Degradation of the battery in proportion to the number of charging cycles is inevitable. And it's going to be significant over the 10-year term and beyond. It's inevitable mainly thanks to the second law of thermodynamics, which limits the reversibility of all the processes in the universe. And this essentially says that the universe is this big casino and the currency is free energy and everyone and everything has to play. Like, it's really not optional. Even better, losing is guaranteed. You will lose. And ultimately, in a few billion years, everyone and everything will lose because the house is going to take it all and there's going to be no more free energy in the universe. And this is called the heat death of the universe. And if you want to know more on that, Google is your friend. So over time, the capacity of your hybrid to do its mad voodoo with kinetic energy is going to degrade. And at some point in 10 or 15 years, most likely you will need to replace your battery. And that's going to cost you heaps, dude. More than you saved after the 80,000k mark, certainly. Also, hybrids are kind of complex and complexity is the enemy of reliability. And this is going to impact your bank balance over time. The likelihood of more expensive repairs is greater over time. And I'm not suggesting there's any deficiency in Toyota's hybrid engineering. Quite the opposite. They seem to do an excellent job with that. But the longer you own one, the more likely it is that it's going to fall over and cost you a bomb to fix. Finally, number 10, just a quickie, as I said the other day to Tiffany, and thank you for sticking with me this long. I said that as well. There's this thing called opportunity cost, okay? Essentially, if you spend 50 grand on a hybrid car, by definition, you don't spend that 50 grand on another potentially greener, more virtuous money-saving alternative. What I'm saying here is that there's a difference between doing something you really want to do, which might be get a new car and make it a hybrid, versus doing something that's even greener or something at the cost of driving your old shit heap for several more years. That's unpalatable, isn't it? It might be a lot greener in practice to put a big fat solar array on your roof at home or your office, wherever, and a matching big fat stationary lithium battery to store all of those hastily converted photons and keep the lights on and the food cooking and the aircon and the heating running overnight, heat the pool, whatever. But doing this is just not as sexy. It's not as nice as owning a new car, that's for sure. And it's not as obvious externally, like to others, to win approval of others, right? See, there's a real difference between doing something green and looking like you're doing something green. And that's really the central problem underpinning this issue for most would-be hybrid buyers, I think. 
I really hope this helped. Thanks for watching.